This is like from forever in a day, right? Uh, funny uh, how these things just happen to appear now and seem like something. Anyway, well, today we have a lot to talk about and we're actually going to talk strategy. And I think what's important is for people to understand uh, just what psychological warfare is. I mean, a lot of people are talking psyops, psyops, psyops. You know, you even hear it now in the mainstream media. It's a psyop. And it's like, damn, we've been hearing that for a long time. Like, what does that mean? Right. And it's and it's all amateurs or people that wish they knew exactly uh, what psychological warfare really is. In a broader sense, it just means hijacking your mind, right? It's mind games, but more deadlier. <laughs> real, real big consequences. Shifting policies. Now, I know whenever I say it, people are like, oh my God, she's so cocky. And it's like, but it's true. I'm the best. Why? Because the one thing that I remember they always used to describe me was being malleable, right? And that's a word that I like. That's where I actually learned the word when they said, well, if we need to have a solid plan, it has to be malleable. And uh, unfortunately, most human beings do not um, uh, understand that concept. See, the word malleable means it's something that you can shape, move, maneuver, easily control, influence, right? But it also has a double meaning. It means that you are capable of being a shapeshifter yourself. And um, when pressure comes, you change your shape, right? If if, if um, that helps you understand it. So the, the, the idea of being malleable is uh, kind of like the way they describe the human brain. It's plastic. It means it'll change if it has to. If you're missing part of your brain, it'll 
It's so plastic that it'll adapt. But see, malleability is a lot different than just adaptability. Adaptability means, okay, here's a shape. I'm a circle. The shape's a a triangle, and I'm going to make myself fit into the triangle. A malleable person will fit into the triangle, but make the triangle look like a square so it looks real. (laughs) So let's just put it that way. Strategies are the same thing, right? And I know a lot of people are like, I read the art of war. I know every word. It's kind of like this. I've I've said this uh, a lot of times. People don't read anymore. And, And when I say read, you can read a lot of words. Damn, I could go through a whole book and not remember anything. I remember many times when I was taking exams. I mean, you know, if you're going to go to school to get some information and do things, might as well learn something. I just remember that any time I didn't like what I had to study, there's like, you could, you can imprint that book on me, right? It could be taped to my face all day. And then you'll be like, Hey, can you just tell me what you read? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm hungry. Uh, so <laughs> comprehending is different. Understanding ways is different. So the art of war is like that too. And I thought today, before we get into our uh, what we're going to do today is going to be pretty badass, before we get into why we're going to do something that's so badass, and we're going to do it together. So hopefully you guys are near your computer. Those of you that are driving, you can just listen back and do it. But if you're on Telegram, don't forget to join the Tory Says Plus group. I will have the instructions there anyway. It's pretty much a walkthrough. Uh, and I'm going to do it with you online, live. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, this is war. And um, one thing you guys need to understand is uh, you, the people, are actually malleable. That's why they're pissed off. And I'll show you why. So let's start with a psychologist explaining the art of war. (laughs) I know, I know, right? What? But it's always good to listen to perspectives you may agree with or may not agree with. There are many things that people will say throughout your life, people you like, people you don't like, people you know, people you don't know, that will just hit home in one moment. Let's see if you have that moment. Let's take a listen to this guy. About 25 years ago, I read in a newspaper an interview with a professional boxer. Unfortunately, I've forgotten the name of that athlete. But what he said about the act of fighting made very much sense to me. When he was asked how he prepared for a fight, he quoted from an old Chinese book. And that is the first time I heard about this book, which is called The Art of War, most probably written by a Chinese gentleman called Sun Tzu, who lived in the 5th century BC. Ever since, I have been fascinated by his work. I studied it and I tried to apply some of its principles when I was still fighting martial art competitions, which is a very long, long time ago. But as soon as you read this book, you realize that next to the physical component of war, 
and very far away from the horrible part where bodies clash on the battlefield and people get killed, there is a psychological and a philosophical part to it. This part is all about reading your opponent, knowing yourself and estimating correctly the circumstances. One of the essential parts of the thinking of Sun Tzu is to overcome others' armies without fighting. And that is, according to him, the best of skills. This little booklet with only 13 chapters provides a unique perspective on war, on strategy and on leadership. Throughout the centuries, this book has been very influential to a wide variety of people, like military strategists, but also business leaders, world leaders and athletes. And I find this book to be useful for almost every human being. When we are faced with an adversary or an opponent, this can be in business, in sports, as leaders of our communities, or as private persons. The art of war is not the only one of its kind. There are actually many Chinese books on warfare and on strategy that date back to the beginning of the Western timeline. And I'm sure I'm going to make another episode on one of those books too. After I read The Art of War several times, I was so impressed by the insights that it provided that I started to search for an equivalent author on war in the Western world. And there are several. Machiavelli, for example, wrote a book with the same title, The Art of War by Machiavelli. But that is a rather technical book that is very much related to the circumstances of war in his hometown and in the time that he lived. So what he writes is not so universal. So maybe this book is more a historical document on warfare. And there are, of course, others. But one book that could be seen as an equivalent to the great work of uh, Sun Tzu in the Western world is the book On War, written by Karl von Clausewitz. And it was published by his widow in 1832. Both authors are military strategists. And between the writing of these two books is about 2,000 years. And they both have been very influential in the military theory in the East and in the West. And they continue to be influential even today. What I found fascinating is that there are major differences in the way of thinking about war and winning between the West and the East. It's a difference that I experienced myself many times when I was advising Western and Chinese companies to do business with each other. What is interesting is that both authors start from almost the same starting point. For example, Sun Tzu opens with the sentences, war is of vital importance to the state. It is a matter of life and death. And that's why it has to be studied thoroughly. Von Clausewitz states, war is a serious means. War is no pastime. It is no mere joy in daring and winning. No place for irresponsible enthusiasts. It is a serious means to a serious end. From this and many other parts in these books, we learn that both authors do not idolize or glorify war. Thank God they don't. But rather they see it as a serious matter with serious consequences. They see it as something that is part of every state and every country. And they see it as a part of life in general. And therefore they both want to provide a theory on how to deal with this seemingly unavoidable condition. Although they agree on several points, their theories do diverge significantly. For example, von Clausewitz compares war as 
a jewel. He states that war is nothing but a jewel on a large scale. And then he continues, each try through physical force to compel the other to do his will. These confrontational moments and the use of physical force are essential to war, according to von Clausewitz. The starting point of Sun Tzu is different. He states that the best policy in war is to prevent the enemy's strategy. So instead of attacking the enemy, which is sometimes unavoidable, he prefers to attack the strategy of the enemy instead. And this is essential to the art of Chinese strategy, which is not only applied in military settings, but also in business. Now, how does it work? How do you attack the strategy of your opponent? Well, this is done by the use of stratagems. Stratagems are actions that are based on deception. You conceal your true intention and instead you attack the intention of your opponent. This might sound a bit confusing. So let me repeat. Number one, you do not attack your opponent. Number two, instead you attack the intention of your opponent. Through the years and spending a lot of time with Chinese people, I learned that this is the very essence of the art of war. Now let's make this very concrete with an example. Imagine there is a man in the 5th century BC. And let's call this man Mr. Kong. Let's say he had a great reputation and he is widely respected. This man lives in a village. Let's call this village A. And he learns that this village will be attacked by a king from another city. And let's call this city B. Now, Mr. Kong wants to prevent this from happening. He, however, also understands that his village cannot defend themselves against such a strong opponent. Therefore, Mr. Kong, who is very aware of his reputation, sends one of his students to the king of another city. Let's call this city C. His student tells the king of C that his master wants to warn him because his master heard that the city B is preparing to attack city C. The king of C is of course very grateful for this information from a very trustworthy source. And he asked the student of Mr. Kong what his master would advise in such a situation. The student then said, my master advises you to attack the city B first because they will not see that coming. So what happens next? The king of C attacks the city of the king of B, takes him by surprise and wins the battle. What is now the new situation? The city A of Mr. Kong is safe from harm. The king of C is victorious and even more powerful than before. And Mr. Kong has a great new and very powerful ally, the king of C, who is very grateful for his help and his advice. So Kong's village is even more safe than before. Mr. Kong won without a fight. This is an example of the use of deception in warfare. There are so many books written about such cases. And of course, there is a moral dimension to it as well. But maybe that's something for another episode. What is now relevant for the two books that are discussed is that there is a very big difference in the way of thinking of Western people and of Chinese people when it comes to winning, 
to strategy and leadership. In the book On War by Clausewitz, he also talks about stratagems, but he is absolutely not in favor of it. In book three, chapter 10, he describes stratagems as almost something inferior and that should only be used as a last resource if one is confronted with a desperate situation. So that is a very big difference from the thinking of Sun Tzu, who puts the stratagems almost at the center of his thinking. I started this episode with saying that I'm a student of war, but that doesn't mean that I like war. Actually, the opposite is true. I like to think, however, that war and peace are like two sides of the same coin. Peace and stability does not come by itself. It is hard work. And war, I think, can often be avoided if we know how to do this. So learning to maintain peace and stability and to avoid or to deal with war is, I think, therefore worthwhile to study. As a psychologist, I often see people that have a rather limited skill set to deal with conflict. And often they go for the direct confrontation. And this brings often verbal and even physical violence with it. So The Art of War is a book to learn how to fight because we have a dispute with our neighbor or one of our kids is bullied at school or we are facing as a business leader a very aggressive competitor. Then knowing how to overcome these opponents without a fight, as Sun Tzu advises, might be a good alternative to the direct confrontation that is maybe used too often. To conclude, if we take the functional book graph, then the book of von Clausewitz on war would, I would put it in the category gems of insights, because it gives us very specific information on warfare and on battle, and it is a rather theoretical book, so not very practical. It is also a classical work, and to many it is the fundamental book on the theory of warfare. As a business leader, I have learned some valuable insights from this book. For example, how to deal with friction when you try to execute a strategy. However, I found this book very difficult to read. It was originally written in German and von Clausewitz worked many years on it. He started to work on this book in 1816 and he worked on it on and off, always interrupted by military campaigns. And unfortunately, he could never finish the work. The book contains many very long sentences and also has quite some contradictions in it. It is obvious that he did not have the time to do a final and full revision of his manuscript. A year after his death in 1832, his wife Marie von Brühl published the book. It is thanks to her that this great work wasn't lost to mankind. And again, it is 700 pages and it's worthwhile to read if you're very interested in the topic but it's very hard to get through it. In contrast, The Art of War, I would put it in the category of hammer books because it's very specific in the provided information on war and on dealing with conflict, but it also gives very practical advice and advice that is digestible. Now, so I was talking and this was off. Fantastic. So. <laughs> Just to recap, I was trying to get a still shot on that um, grid that he had, but I decided, whatever, that grid's dumb. Here's the thing. What you need to do is find your still in the center because today I'm going to demonstrate to you just how for the past 
two years together, we have been preemptively hindering all our opponents' strategies because we can see the intention. Now, for many out there, they think, well, the right and the left are the ones that are... Mm -mm -mm -mm. There's a lot more. It's a little bit more intricate. In order to win any war, you have to understand their intentions. Now, many of you out there have heard many, many influencers speak, and you will now be able to interpret that. It is unfortunate that we're still under that 1%, but we're getting there. We have the right and the left. Let's imagine what the right looks like. It's your Foans and DeSantis's, and I'm not saying that they're bad people. Just I, I want you to focus on what I'm telling you. So you have your right and you have your left, your left, your Pelosi's, your Schumer's, your whatnots, and then your right, your McConnell's, your, you know, um, McCarthy's, your, you know, Pasobiec's, your Candace Owens, your TPUSA, your, all this stuff, right? But then you also have the, so these two are battling it out, supposedly, right? They're fighting. And you're like, who do I pick? Who do I pick? What do they want is the question. The left wants you to bend the knee, but what do those on the right want? They also want you to bend the knee. They want you to glorify them so that they can lead you to victory. It's the same thing. Put your faith in us and we will fix your problems. You need to appraise, praise us, praise us and we will fix the problems. Raise us up, you know, tell us how amazing we are and we will fix the problem. So this is what the general left and right have. Then you have the commies, right? They are a creation of the left. They're a faction of the left that was created to be weaponized in order to do what? Fulfill another intention of the left. And what is that? The left seeks to provoke you to get into the streets, to grab your weapons, to attack, to demoralize you. These are all their intentions, the left's intentions. First intention, bend the knee to them. Succumb to them and do what they say and you will be fine. You don't bend the knee to us. You will have the wrath of these commies, the women with the armpit hairs, and climate change down your throat, and you'll be eating algae pastries and cricket mealed scones because we said so. And you will be getting spots all over your bodies and you will look like you have freckles and those will be jab booster scars. That's what the left wants. The right wants you to, again, bend the knee, succumb to us, give us all your money and power, and we'll protect you. Meanwhile, you'll be dying, you know, fleeced off, and they'll be like, no, but we're really trying to help. It's not our fault. They're just so powerful, which also created their own commie faction, right, to agitate you by empowering you to go grab guns and get out into the street, you see? They're both using the same strategy. They both have the same intentions, right? Because they both want to win, right? So these are the, as he explained from the other guy, the more physical war. Even though they're fucking your mind, it's the more physical war. 
This is where the corporations sit too. Okay. So we've got the left bend the knee and then they created the commies so they can instigate you so you can get out and start shooting your guns and attacking people and, you know, causing all chaos and burning things down so that they can subdue you. Then the right is also asking you to bend the knee, but they're not telling you you need to just listen to us. They're telling you surrender all your power to us because we're smarter and we're the good guys. And look at us. We've served. We know. We've been doing this for a long time. We hate the Democrats. Look at us. Look at us. We're on your team. Look, smile. And and it's the same thing. You're just, it's, you're not falling down the stairs. You're falling up the stairs. You're still fucking falling. And then they also have their own little factions, stupid fucking Jack Posobiec shit that they pulled with rape Melania. Let's, you know, take out president Trump, you know, all that shit, right? The baked Alaska's, the Fuentes, the proud boys, the fucking, come on. So these two are the same fucking shit, opposite side of the spectrum. But then you have these people you don't see. Well, obviously, then you have the commies, right, that were created, and they're kind of like ISIS. They've got a mind of their own, right? So then we've got these cent wannabe centrists. These are the intelligent ones, uh, not the major corporations, because major corporations can bank on big sides, like left and right, right? They'll either bet on red or bet on black. They won't be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to bet on this straight line, you know, like on roulette where you're like, I'll take the first column. So now we're talking about the first column people, the people that, 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 that find a middle ground, the, the demi right and the demi left. Those two are sneaky bitches. Those two are like that example the gentleman spoke about. Those are city A and C. One of them's a little bit smarter than the other, and now they're working together. So they're like, all right, how do we take down the big ass left and the big ass right? And then we can minimize the casualties and let's make a deal. We'll throw a few people in jail. We'll make everything okay, you know, and we'll balance and we'll, and we'll call a truce. You've heard this. Those are the middle guys, the smart guys that business-wise, your, your admirals, your generals, you know, the, the, the compromisers, right? Because in the end, even if they do that, the wild left and the wild right are not going anywhere. They're bankrolled by very big names. And then when you come out of that, you see all the other nations that are playing the same pup-pup games, right? And they're all fucking around and finding out too. And so we've got a lot on our hands. Now, the only way that you can win a war like this is to be smarter and to anticipate. A lot smarter and anticipate. So today I'm going to show you how you win and how you anticipated and they lost. Because, <laughs> you know, what people need to understand is that life is just one big psychological warfare game. And, you know, when they see people in life that are successful or at peace or that are able to conduct themselves differently, they kind of have to wonder, well, what do they do? And they see the dude that's like 55 getting up at four in the morning running, you know, and when I see them run on the street and I'm like, like still working and I see someone at that age running, I'm like, damn, like, stop. So cliche. But then it's like, is it a cliche? It's actually them getting uncomfortable, right? Even though it pisses me off and I'm like, stop. It kind of 
is that. Because the more uncomfortable you are, the more ready you are for anything that life throws at you, right? The more uncomfortable you can get and embrace the suck, right? Embrace that bitch, right? The more ready you are for game on. And you've got game face and you're like, all right, I lost that one. Nice sucker punch. And you're like relaxing your jaw and you're kind of like twiddling your thumbs. And then you're just like, wait for it, wait for it, right? And, you know, a lot of people in my life have told me, well, you know, have you failed? Fuck yeah. I would have done life a little bit different. I would have done life a little bit different. And yes, I failed. I failed to see things uh, that I thought I was smart enough to see. I failed to make good choices in people that I had around me. I failed a lot of stuff, right? But me failing is actually winning because I'm still here. So how have you successfully neutered all your enemies? Hmm? How have you neutered them? Have you seen how you neutered them? I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you today. I'll show you how you neutered your enemies and now they're trying to play catch up. Because, uh, you know, everyone's like, hey, we're all losing. You're going up. You're one, not even 1% yet. And you're going up after an insanely sized army. Insane. How do you win an army that you can't even count? How do you win a war against an army that's bigger than you? Well, number one is faith. But number two is having a malleable strategy. With a little bit of time travel, I mean, you got to have preemptiveness. You have to understand intention and strategy. So there's this video uh, that talks about defeating uh, larger armies. It's a three-minute clip. I want us to listen to it, and then I'll show you how you took them out and you've been ahead of the game for at least 18 months. I remember years ago being intrigued by Napoleon's lightning campaign across Italy in 1796. His small, ragged army of less than 38,000 men began the campaign against 60,000 Piedmontese and Austrians. And yet, Napoleon had victory after victory. And once I researched more thoroughly, I was puzzled by the numbers. For example, at the Battle of Mondovi, he outnumbered the Piedmontese. And at the Battle of Castiglione, he also had more men on the field than the Austrians. How was he able to pull this off? I thought he was the one outnumbered. And that's when I was introduced to the military principle of concentration of force and defeat in detail. Author Edward J. Erickson writes, Defeat in detail is a doctrinal military term that means to defeat an enemy by destroying small portions of its armies instead of engaging its entire strength. Practically speaking, this happens when the mass or weight of one army is brought to bear against smaller portions of an opposing army, thereby achieving decisive superiority. This is most often seen when an army divides itself into smaller groups, which can easily be separated and defeated in isolation. So it pretty much works like this. Let's say this is your objective and you only have 12,000 men while the enemy has 20,000. This is what Napoleon would do. He would advance and spread out his forces. Consequently, the enemy disperses their forces as well and garrisons each town. Now, remember, you must always have superior numbers when you are the attacking force. Only then can you be sure of victory. So, if you were to order a mass attack all along the front, it would be 3,000 versus 5,000. Not good odds. 
However, Napoleon would do something clever. On the eve of battle, he would concentrate his forces, perhaps leaving only small detachments to cover the front. And then he would choose to attack only one point, preferably the weakest, and crush them there. Thus, at the actual point of contact with the enemy, it is you who outnumbers them. This is the concentration of force. And because the enemy units were so spread out and far apart from each other, they put themselves in a position to be defeated in detail. It's brilliant, yet simple. You end up engaging only a portion of the enemy instead of its whole army. And it's important to note that a crucial factor for this to occur successfully is having capable forces who can maneuver quickly before the opposing side catches on to what you are doing. So speed helps you achieve surprise, thus ensuring victory. Napoleon would use this strategy during his campaigns. He constantly defeated superior armies separately before they were able to combine against him. Other historical examples include the Battle of Tannenberg. In the beginning phase of World War I, a German army was able to defeat two Russian armies separately. In the Balkan Wars, the Ottoman army was defeated because it was divided into several groups. Their enemies therefore were able to achieve numerical superiority on the battlefield. Rommel, in the North African campaign, would always mass his tanks when fighting the British. He once remarked to a captured British officer, What difference does it make if you have two tanks to my one when you spread them out and let me smash them in detail? And General Stonewall Jackson, in 1862, was able to fight off three Union armies, totaling 52,000 men, with only an army of 17,000. And if you want to see how he did that, you can click here for that video. So as you see, defeat in detail, okay? You've been doing that. And see, my only complaint is, is that all these people that have claimed to be for the country rather than joining forces and making sure that we can defeat in detail, refuse to for the love of money and clout or whatever it is, as if clout's going to save you. <laughs> if there is no nation, I'll be fine. My kids will be fine. I really don't have to do anything. I know I'll be fine because I'm malleable. See, we have been organizing like no other. We have turned up to our school board meetings. We have turned up to our councils. And then we left that behind, right? And we started filing lawsuits left and right. And like I told you, the right and the left have their own little factions, commies, far rights. But then those in the middle that are seeking to destroy the left and the right and drain their power, utilize them. Those are what we call, you know, those fed boys, right? Like, you know, only feds where they turn up and they're like, let's go protest. We're all going to wear white masks and march and you're all going to come. And Charlottesville was another honey a trap for people that were like overzealous and insane, right? And now, you know, as I've said, all these people thinking that they're kinetic. See, this is the problem. We have a shit ton of generals out there leading stupid people like the Proud Boys, you know, the Groypers. That's another insane one, right? They're all causing, they just shit stir. They're giving you nothing. It's just shit stirring, okay? Which is causing more chaos and taking away from your message. So all these stupid factions, this percent, 20%, 100%, 90%, 2%, 3 fuck you, dude. It's America. And if you can't respect things, then whatever. Now they've decided to insert themselves into a movement where people have finally caught up with us and said, maybe we should go to the school boards, right? Because, you know, 
you can't stop a movement like the one you've created, guys. You can't. <laughs> so they send in their cavalry so they could take it over. Take it over. That's what they're going to do. Their new plan of attack is reorganizing and going on a local level. Members of the far-right national groups of Proud Boys have beefed up their attendance at town council meetings, school board presentations, and health department sessions around the U.S. As a strategy shift to bring in their brand of politics to the local level, one member said on the Telegram app. At that app, the number of followers for the Proud Boys main U.S. group at 31,000 has barely budged over the last year. But over a dozen new Telegram channels have emerged for local Proud Boy chapters in cities like Seattle, Philadelphia, all at the same period with groups rapidly going. Shut the fuck up. Seattle and Philadelphia, you got Proud Boys rising? Come on, guys. That's as left as possible. Can you see it? See, see, see Garland, and I, and I even said this in Shadowgate, you're always going to be not three years, not three days, probably three seconds too late. See, they were, they are trying to take over anything organic that you are doing. Infiltrate it and attack it. You know, it's, it's so funny when you watch all these idiots, right? Yeah, you know, I was Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes has a fucking FBI handler. Okay. Okay. Cassandra Fairbanks is a fucking asset. I know that for a fact. I'd love for her to refute it because I can call out the handlers. She may have changed now that she went to West Virginia, but what? Federique, hello, right? Come on. Like, you aren't all dumb. They're just, oh, look at us. We're going to go fight. Rah, rah, rah. They're not, they're not trying to help you. They're trying to bury you. If they were trying to help you, they would help educate you. They would help you do exactly what we've been doing, and it's defeating this larger army by killing them through a thousand paper cuts. Thousands of paper cuts. Today we're going to do something that's actually going to be effective. And a lot of people may be like, what? No. It's very effective. Super very effective. And a lot of people don't even use it. You know? Not, no. I don't care. It's like, all right, then don't do anything. Then don't bitch when they come for you. So I'm going to walk you through it. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. Because for some reason, you guys think Jack Posobiec's going to save you? He sold you out. Who do you think is going to come save you? I want you to name one person you think is just going to swoop down in freaking a white horse and say, I'm here, let's go. You know what? I was talking earlier. With Millie, we were just talking. And I was like, you know, it was so interesting. This a reporter called me, and again, from <laughs> like the left. And this time it was asking me about memos to the White House. And she shared a memo, and I was just like, the fuck, dude? Like, give me some more credit. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, it was not mine. And I was like, damn. Millie was like, yeah, they're really coming hard, coming at you, asking you questions. So I'm like, of course they are. You know, when it comes to J6, guys, I was on top of that. Why? After we had those sunrise, um, sunrise, um, videos put out and she had them there, I remember freaking the fuck out when I saw 
Maria Stefan, obviously, you know, throughout all those videos and hours, there was Schumer and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on those, right, on the commie videos, right? But it shocked me that I saw someone that was directly linked to the Pentagon and that there were high-level officials like Saiza and, you know, that, that bitch that wrote the OSHA thing. Yeah, she was on that. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, these people have tactical maps. They're working with Antifa, Sunrise, Unicorn Riot. You know, they, they have, it's, it's insane. And I'm, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, shit, okay. So they're going to cause the chaos in DC, right? Whatever it is, they're going to burn that shit down. BLM, Sunrise, and federal agents. Like, I'm seeing it. Because they had tactical fucking maps. But then what I also saw was Jack Posobiec stole Millie Weaver's shit. And then he went on Bannon and said it was his. Bannon kind of called him out like, it's not fucking yours. Then he went and wrote a book on Antifa. I actually think they helped orchestrate this to entrap Trump. Like, the crazy right. Maybe they were promised presidential appointment. Maybe they were promised that, hey, you'll become president if we just take Trump out like this, right? We'll just frame him. I kid you not. I kid you not. Because it was it was so perfect. And I remember before January 6th, how I was trying to figure out, well, how are they going to ping this back on Trump? Like, no one's going to believe this. There's no way I'm going to see Alex Jones marry up with, you know, I don't know, um, you know, the Posobics or, you know, because they broke up. I'm not going to see him marry up with like the Lara Logans because they, they don't work together. I'm not going to see Alex Jones and Roger Stone hanging out with General Flynn or something, right? That's not going to happen. I'm not going to see, I'm not going to see the Akbars there. And then all of that started to happen too. And I'm like, so just stop. We got to take a step back. Stop. So I'm watching this whole thing and I did write a lot of reports and a lot of memos and yeah, I didn't, put, I didn't put it on some fucking bootleg site, but, um, I, I noticed what the linchpin was and how they pinned it on president Trump. And well, of course I was disheartened, but at that point, rather than get angry, I was just more focused on paying attention, who was coming, who was talking, who was doing what, and who was coordinating when they shouldn't be because I've seen their communications. And it was very, um, very troubling because from a 40,000 foot view, I mean, it all makes sense. They had all of that. And and then when I see that the, that the, that the wannabe, you know, influencers had created their own Antifa book and I'm like, how the fuck did you get in there? We didn't see you in there. Shut up. It means they were working with them. And when I saw that James Sullivan and Jason Sullivan Sal- and John Sullivan, the brothers, right? The brothers were there. I remember in my report, the first one that I wrote up, which on, on 5th of January and the night of the 5th of January, I'm fucking writing a report and sending it out. I said that, you know, the brother of the guy that was at the shooting in Utah and Chaz was fucking on stage and he's an actor and I'm still not understanding what role that plays. But I also saw that some person that worked for the Kremers did this, which all justifies exactly what Ali Akbar said, because maybe in his delusional mind, because he's that fucking retarded, that someone a little bit smarter than him that wanted him to take the pound for it um, was telling him that he was going to speak on stage and shit. And the fact that there was a faction was possibly those reports. Dude, they're burning shit down. They're going to torch this place. And I didn't know where it was going to come from. I was busy trying to help my country.
other people were out there trying to be famous or tell you how they're going to rescue you or be in the middle of drama, right? Can't let a good, you know, thing go to waste. And what I'm realizing is that there were a lot of people cashing in. There's this memo that was sent to me. I can't even fucking call it a memo. It was so weird. It had taken information from various sources and I could identify one of the sources because I work closely to them uh, in the formulation of some graphs, but this was about election integrity. And then there was some other weird shit. And then the link was to the Ingersoll Lockwood. And I was like, fuck. And and I even said to the reporter, come on, man, you've seen Mark Meadows' memos. They don't look like this with highlighter and big things saying Trump won and fucked up circles and shit. I was just like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. I just, I just couldn't believe that I was approached with that. And I was like, well, I could tell you, I know these graphs. I'm not going to throw any, give you a name of who they are, but I do know who worked on those. But I had the same data from the Secretary of State of each state to compose those. And, you know, and those were first published in on the website Deep Capture, those graphs. I actually included um, some of those graphs in my affidavit. And, and, and I was a little bit boggled. My mind just blew up. Did someone actually... <laughs> think that that would be, you know, my memo. Like I was just like, what? So that's number one. I'm seeing it ramp up because they're trying to now, they know they failed to show at January 6th that, um, you know, President Trump had anything to do with it. And you're you're welcome, America, for all the good people out there that did it. Um, but they're trying to ensure that he can never run again. And they're trying to attach those digital red string theory crazy people as his confidants. <laughs> I can't. My gosh, I can't. I'm like pulling my hair as I'm saying this. And it's like... I can't believe I'm having this conversation because this is just how stupid they've gotten because they're all losing control. This is complete death rattles. I mean, they've deployed the freaking grapers, the Fuentes and the stupid fucking proud boys on moms now. Like, and, and now they wanted, oh my gosh, it makes me sick. So right now in this state of war, there's only one way to win. And that's to continue what you've been doing, okay? Because no matter what you do, they will be coming again and again and again. They will be doing things that will enrage you. So now, um, <laughs> I, um, you know, observing, you know, I actually want to share. No, I don't, you know, why not? I'll share it with you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fucking funny. I'm sorry. I have to share it with you. Like, seriously, like, there's like no way in hell that this would ever, ever be considered. <laughs> Just, I want you guys to see it and tell me what you think. Tell me if you think that this is a. <laughs> I'm dead. A Mark Meadows. Um. um memo. 
<laughs> okay? Just be honest, okay? I'm sure first <laughs> I'm showing this to you. This is a <laughs> Mark a Mark Meadows um, memo. So let me just scroll through it quickly so you could see Mark Meadows' fine work. Wait. This is his fine work, right? That's his, this is a Mark Meadows production. Are you fucking kidding me? Really? So I just scrolled through that. Just give me, just give me, I just want to see how many of you think this looks like a Mark Meadows memo. Or how's this? Would Mark Meadows even look at a memo like that? Okay. So it's like, let me show you what I do recognize from here, right? What I do recognize is this screenshot, right? We all remember this, right? Bevin, Bashir, right, in Kentucky, right? I don't know what this is. We all remember these. These were done very professionally with data from the secretaries of state, right? Edison update, just an algorithm being run. What the hell is this? Okay. One tactic that is part of a larger strategic plan. Other tactics include riots, threats, censorship, looting, etc. The issue is national. Okay. Seriously, though, I never spoke about Venezuela. So um, if I ever, first of all, I wouldn't put together a memo looking like that. But second of all, I, I didn't talk about Venezuela because I know what happened with Venezuela. I know when the machines were sold there. I know they had nothing to do with fucking Dominion right now. But I do know that Dominion, ESNS, and all of them, are all one company, they're just different entities. Oh, not a conspiracy theory. That's real. Um, <laughs> um, oh, you know what else is real? So uh, my attorney received back in letters that, you know how I sued Dominion in federal court, right? I sued Dominion in federal court. And I then pulled it because I wanted to file against, I wanted to put a better def defamation suit together. And I was like, you know, federal court is just too costly. So can we do it in state, <laughs> state court? That way I have subpoena powers right away too, right? So, um, you know, they were playing fucking games there anyway. They got served in August and then it's fucking November and they're asking for extensions and shit for 60 days. And it's like, dude, what do you want a whole fucking year to prepare a motion to dismiss? Anyway, um, I, um, I then put it in the state and I, and I added a bunch of people that were necessary because I need to knock out defamation in one go, right? It seems like all of them have been talking to each other. So why not? Well, here's the funny part. He serves Dominion again, but Dominion had three entities. Two of them have now been scrubbed. What? And he received a letter of refusal of order because those companies are no longer there and they're not a company anymore. So that happened between August 16th and now that two entities do not exist anymore. 
and they've been scrubbed. And the good thing is we still have that communication from earlier in the year. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Now, um, next, next portion of things here. Um, here we go. Let's go. I want to show you guys something. So these are the things that they're claiming were in a memo. They recommend to brief senators and congressmen on foreign interference. Like, guys, come on. How is this even possible? Like, who would put a memo like this together? You need to brief a senator and congressman about foreign interference? They already fucking know. Declare a national I mean, look at this. Look into Syria. I can't even take this shit seriously. And I can recognize some of the graphs. I'm just saying. Look at this. They took information from different places that they've cut and paste and put it like, seriously, this, you see what I'm saying? So what they're doing now is they've, they've, they've lost the game, right? The, the whole election is a fraud. You haven't voted for a very long time. You guys are going to figure that out very, very soon. Cause that's going to come to a forefront. Cause my case, I'm telling you, I am taking that shit out for a ride. All that dirty laundry is coming out. I would like to direct you to a couple of developments in regards to how I'm driving that home. Allow me to read to you the only interrogatories that I have made public. With no answers, though. Yet. I sent the first batch of interrogatories to Dominion. I sent the first batch, which was 117 questions. Um, so I'll read you some of those questions. <laughs> One question says, please admit that in a conversation you thought was private, you justified signing DARPA agreements because John Mike McConnell said you were assisting national security, which then you said, and it ensures that my company will always be running elections. That's just a, please admit that lies were told about government election officials, election workers, and Dominion voting system. Is Dominion defaming plaintiff? Please admit that on October 22nd, 2012, you had what you thought were private discussions with Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp, wherein you discussed the upcoming 2012 elections. See, these are really tough and very specific dated questions that were asked to be answered. I, you know, I, I believe that, the, you know, when we get our answers, it'll, it'll be quite interesting. I could have sworn I had more questions that I put up, but it seems to be gone, right? Were they removed? I could have sworn I put it up yesterday and I shared it. I just want to see. Mm, yeah, there it is. Please admit that you have signed documents with the department, blah, 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 under purview and direction of the Undersecretary of Defense Intelli in Intelligence, James Clapper, between 2008 and 2000, 2007 and 2008 to discuss elections. Please admit to having discussions about the Congressional Knowledge Management Database in 2008 in Chattanooga, Tennessee, with the Undersecretary of Defense, James Clapper, to discuss elections. Please admit that you met with Undersecretary of Defense and Intelligence, James Clapper, Georgia Secretary of State, Karen Handel, and Georgia Governor, Sonny Perdue, in 2007, to discuss upcoming elections. See, these are the questions you ask, because... 
you know, he could turn around and say no. And he doesn't know which questions. <laughs> yeah, wait, they do. But see, this is how you do it. Well, you know, the next batch is going to be other person centric. But um, what I'm trying to say is winning is happening and you're doing the winning. And I'm going to show you um, how you win. And today I'm going to win with you. Meaning what I'm showing you is not like, oh, you know, you should go do this. Bye. And give you instructions. I'm doing it with you. And I'm going to show you how you win and how you make things happen. Um, I'm going to take you to the site so that you can see how things are actually done. And then we're going to take a break. And then I'm going to show you how all of us today in one go, all of us at least watching right now, <clears throat> can do a simple copy paste. <laughs> and we've just set some fires under butts. So I'll show you a website. It's called the Office of Congressional Ethics. That's coming in later, right? This isn't what I'm going to show you. I want to show you just what happens. So as you can see here, these are reports of investigations and quarterly reports. So let's go to, let's go to, let's see. Let's go to Rashida Tadlib. A lot of people had demanded that she gets, you know, investigated. It says here, on August 16, 2019, the Office of Congressional Ethics transmitted a referral to the Committee of Ethics of the United States House of Representatives regarding Re Representative Rashida Tlaib. Uh, the Representative Campaign Committee nah, 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 reported campaign disbursements, blah, 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 not to be legitimate, blah, blah, blah. The action that they took is that the committee on was released a statement indicating it would continue to gather necessary information to complete a review. On August 7, 2020, the Committee on Ethics released a statement concluding Representative Tlaib did not comply with the letter of the relevant laws and regulations governing her receipt and salary payments from a campaign. However, the committee also concluded that there was no evidence to show that Representative Tlaib intended to unjustly enrich herself and made efforts to ensure her compliance and applicable requirements. In this light, the committee determined there was no sanction merited, provided that Representative Tlaib returns the funds that she improperly received to her campaign in full within a year of date of the committee's report. So she got spanked, she got caught, and because they wanted to help her, they could fix it, right? There's, there's other people <laughs> that can help fix shit, even... <laughs> <laughs> that will fix it. I mean, how do you guys feel about taking out Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell and Pelosi? I mean, would you would you be game with doing something like that? Would you like to see them hurt and squirm? Would you like to see Shifty Shift get hot under the collar? What about Pelosi? I think we we we're gonna do a double dip on Pelosi, right? This is what we're doing today. I'm gonna show you how we're gonna do it. Because you remember, you remember all these people that came and testified and they were investigating and looking and they were like all saying and working for the people that wanted to get Trump. Do you remember? Did they get Trump? No. Because if it was dirty, it was gonna be checked. Now, I'm going to show you secret weapons today. But I also wanted to show you how they attack Republicans, too, and other people. Hold on. Let's, let's, let's go. I want you to see how petty some of this shit could be. Let's go to R Jim Renacci. 
uh, they received, uh, transmitted a referral to the Committee of Ethics because he was taking pictures. Um, here's the exhibit. Let me see if it shows. Exhibit one, Representative Renacci's social media post. It says that subject to non-disclosure provision as Congress amended on May 27, 2017, posted a campaign Facebook account from Jim sharing a video of Rep. Renacci's appearance on Fox Business Network that was filmed from Statutory Hall. So what is the problem with that, right? The problem with that is that he, listen to this, that he's, his campaign social media accounts may have posted videos and photos that were photographed or filmed from official house building rooms or offices. Okay. So he, he shared a picture of himself on TV that was being recorded there. Um, so someone from the left decided that they wanted to get him in trouble. So they say that he promoted official events and appearances, campaign funds defray official expenses, blah, blah, blah. The board recommended that the committee further the review, blah, blah, blah. The board recommended the committee further the review concerning campaign social media accounts. And then the committee of ethics made no public statement regarding this matter. So this is what happened. But to release the OC's report's finding concerning, as the board determined, that release was mandated by the resolution. So nothing happened, but they had to release all of these exhibits just to show what they were doing and gave him an employee handbook <laughs> and said, you need to sign this shit because you were out of order, right? They do stupid shit like that. And that shit goes on your record, okay? Okay, that shit goes on your record. But then what do you do when these people commit crimes, because right? they commit crimes. I get really, really agitated. I mean, don't forget, these motherfuckers pushed a hoax like nobody's business for like forever and a day. And we had to sit there and take it, right? Our, our president was a Russian asset. Uh, you know, surprised he doesn't speak Russian, right? <laughs> it was all in their minds. They all created it. And, you know... It, it, it's 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 one of the most bizarre things you ever see. And and you see them talking and making zero sense. You know, you're just wondering, like, am I being punked every day? Is like Ashton Kutcher gonna come out of some fucking corner every day and say, Oh, you've been punked. And you know, you kinda hope every morning when you wake up, you kinda hope that that shit's gonna happen and it never fucking does. And you're like, damn. You know, these people paid for Black Lives Matter. Now they're banning them. That's another thing. The left is now instigating the commies to take up and start fucking fighting. Since you won't get up and they're instigating, they're planting feds, they're fucking with your head and you won't do it. Now they're going to send in the granola munchers and the crazy fucking people that don't know their gender to come and light shit up in the name of whatever cause that they're running for that day. And they'll even, they hate Biden. They hate Kamala, but they're okay. Kind of like Obama was okay with ISIS killing people as long as he kept the war going, right? And he kept the other people at bay. So that is all they care about. They're bringing in these children. Remember, they're recruiting middle schoolers and high schoolers, right, to start these things, okay, because you won't waver. So I think it's time we take it up a notch and we start filing a shit ton of this stuff. So today, let's make it, what is it, December 15th? Let's make it Pelosi, Schiff, and Swallowell Day. I mean, Swallowell 
was banging a damn Chinese spy, right? What a fucking tool. Doctored tweets to present the evidence in an official impeachment trial, right? Committed a fucking crime and nothing happened. So bang, bang, fang, fang's okay. And you can put fake shit out and it's all fine. And then you have Schiff, who claimed he met with someone Ukrainian and found out that there was like this, all this spying when it was a wiretap. You know, Tory was right, right? Nobody wants to say that, but yeah, now we know it, right? So he started that whole shit with Ukraine, never existed, wasted a shit ton of our time and our money, right? And then Schiff also lied and lied and lied and lied and lied again, right? And now he goes and takes Jim Jordan's and Mark Meadows' text doctors them they admit they doctor and he submits it into an official proceeding that has official and very real consequences and remember these two idiots are under the purview of pelosi who refers to things as scrubbing and bird baths and doesn't remember what day it is and oh what was it that she said recently shit i'm gonna find it and we're gonna see it I saw it, and I'm trying to remember if it was on Fox. Where was it? I think it was on Fox. Let me see if it was on Fox. Was it on Fox? Yep, it was on Fox. I want you to listen to what she said. Democrats are To what she said. So this is the woman that's in charge of these idiots, okay? This is why we have to do this. We'll do it together, you know? We just pop the system off and be like, nah, man, this is how we do it. Take a listen to what Pelosi said. News of being outright delusional after the latest boast from President Biden. Despite sinking polls in a tumultuous year of chaos ranging from Afghanistan to the southern border and now problems with the economy, President Biden claims his party is poised to win big in 2022 and even telling Republicans they need to watch out. Now we look at 2022. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, pal. You're going in for a problem. We have to keep making the case. And if we do, I believe we're going to win. Let me say this again for the president. We're going to win in 2022. As Democrats, we know what we're for. Or Republicans don't seem to be for anything. Name me something. You're going to enter a problem. We have to keep making the case. And if we do, I believe we're going to win. Let me say this again for the president. We're going to win in 2022. As Democrats, we know what we're for. Or Republicans don't seem to be for anything. Name me something they are for. They're against everything. I don't know a single solitary world leader who wouldn't trade the problems the president of the United States has for their problems. I don't know a single one. And Speaker Nancy Pelosi is gushing over the job President Biden has been doing. They're blocking every effort to provide. It is an honor and, of course, a pleasure to be here at this time of challenge and with the coronavirus, financial insecurity for families, national disasters. and Our country could not be more, could not be better served than with this most experienced, capable hands than yours, President Biden. He's just perfect. The timing couldn't be better. And Madam Vice President, we're inspired by your work for the people as you continue to be an invaluable partner to President Biden. Okay, so yeah, he is just perfect, right? He's just perfect. $5 a gallon gas, right? Food prices are insane. I mean, I just got, right, four things today. I wanted to make uh, a nice uh, stewed uh, red meat thing, which I didn't even get to today anyway. So I'm going to do it tomorrow. Something hot, something warm, because Phoebe's really bad, like, 
She's, she's got headaches. She may have COVID again. <laughs> Who knows? But it's like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> buy food. And all I did was buy one piece of meat, right? Uh, two carrots, counted them because I don't get a bunch because then they just go to waste. I get what I need to cook. I got an onion, garlic. Guys, that was like fucking $60. Oh, and, and heavy, and a thing of heavy cream. It's like, what the hell? Like, how is, how is he perfect? People can't afford their electric bill, their heating bill. There's people out on the street. We can't, we have no access to federal agencies. I want to call the IRS and say, why are you saying that you gave me my tax return and now you want it back when I never got my tax return, but you're sending me a bill to pay you what you owed me that you never sent me. Dead serious, that's what happened. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I need to go get a copy of my social security card, right? Guess what? They want me to pop my ID in the mail and mail it to them. The fuck I will. I won't even send, <laughs> nah, and I can't send it registered because I can't see them because of COVID. Everything is in the toilet. The world is, is, is closing in on us, right? China, dominance, everyone's going insane. They're starting to mandate. You can feel the boots right behind you. All the, con oh man. And he's perfect. See? This is a type of shit, you know, and you know, I have to give credit to Millie. She's so right. Don't all these idiots look like fucking villains? It's like the casting director for this show did an amazing job. I mean, Pelosi's face looks creepy as fuck. Schiff looks like a guy that if you saw on the street while just out in daylight shopping and he just happened to walk behind you, not even following you, but just walk behind you, you'd shit yourself and be like, damn, this guy's a serial killer. Like they look like bad people. They look crazy, right? I mean, Schumer, a creep, right? You don't even have to know what he talk. Just looking at him, you're just like, Bleh, right? I'm just, I just, casting director is perfect. This goes back to physiognomy. And this is why that's not allowed to be studied, right? But you can tell Good and bad, simply by looking at someone. You'll be very surprised. Your inside does shine out. And you'll say, well, what if someone's like ugly because they were born like that? Or what if they're like extremely obese or, or anorexic or they have a burnt face? Or No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about, right? We're talking about the way they look. You can have the biggest freaking nose on the planet and you will look amazing right? Because your heart's amazing. You can have, you know, you can, you can look inbred like Ali Akbar and still look handsome, right? I'm just pausing so I don't laugh out loud, but you can, if you're a good person inside, Whew, you know, you can, because the inside shines on the outside, regardless, regardless. Pelosi here looks like damn, like scroll back to this. Like, this is where I'm like looking and I'm like, wait, let me just mute it. So she, look at that. Like, you know, she looks dead. Like her eye sockets all deep in kind of reminds me of dang, like, I don't know. So these people think everything's perfect. They say things like this. So it's time we take them out. How do we take them out? We don't go and, and shoot or drag them by the hair, right? That's, that's like, so no, no, because that's not going to fix anything. Okay. It might make one person, 10 people go to jail, but it's not going to fix it because there'll be another person right there behind her.
What you have to do is accountability. Okay. What you need is accountability and you need to fix the problem at the root. And the only way you do that is by using the law. See, that's the one thing they don't want you to do. They have barred you from going to courts. They do not want pro se's. They do not want to listen to you. They do not want to hear anything you have to say. And you send letters and they bitch. Damn it. Fuck. This is all becoming record because that's the rule. It's not like I can go shred it because anything that comes into any federal office or any state office has to be documented. You're messing me up. I can't be governor when I've got thousands of letters in my office that have been scanned as part of my track record. And anybody that's coming to take my seat will win because you're writing these letters. You see what I'm saying? But what happens when you actually use the other instruments, the shit they use to do things? Then... Then it gets interesting. I'll tell you a little story. You know what? Actually, let's listen to some music. Let me go get some some coffee, right? And I'll tell you this little story, and then I'll walk you through a few simple steps of what we're going to do. And you're going to see them crying. See you in a bit. Also, this, you can turn this down quick if, if you don't like this. It could be a medley of a boom, 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 boom. Sweet dreams are made of this. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world and the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. Some of them want to use you. Some of them want to get used by you. Some of them want to abuse you. Some of them want to be abused. Well, it's time we say goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry about that screech. All right, so let me take you somewhere. I'm going to take you to a fun place, a place where I think everyone should be visiting. Um, hold on. Here we go. Let's go. So if you guys, obviously, on your screen, you have something that should be immortalized forever when he had his Ministry of Truth meeting. But please take out your thinking caps. You will watch me um, do this with you live. And this is how you get things done. So obviously, I didn't use this website. But back in 2014 and 15, when I was living in the state of North Dakota, I had already uh, figured out that there were some weird dealings with uh, health and human um, services. And I had figured, I contacted state authorities, I documented, I emailed, I complained, I uh, complained directly to individuals that were responsible for this and then I waited for maybe a week, <laughs> right? And then I went to the Inspector General's Office for Health and Human Services. And then I filed a complaint. 
In 2015, a report was released by HHS because they are supposed to investigate every single credible, credible thing. And they found that they had children missing, kitty diddlers registered, sex offenders working with kindergartners. They had um, issues with trafficking and sexual blah, blah, blah with kids. It all came out. Well, meet the inspector general, the same inspector general that the left had prayed would have fallen for every single thing they did and couldn't find anything. Now, one would say, well, how do you get to Mr. Horowitz? Maybe we should have Chuck Grassley ask him. Fuck that. These people work for us. And I'll show you how. See, when you meet him, he tells you, hey, you know, this is this is me. This is how it happens. These are the investigations, criminal and, and, and things that I'm doing. Former DEA special agent sentenced to prison for money laundering. Uh, arrest. This is all this month. You don't see this. A fraudster co-conspirator charged with COVID-19 relief loan. Former USMS task force officer indicted and arrested for murder. BOP correctional officer arrested for being indicted for unlawful possession of a firearm, false statement, obstruction of justice. These things are all things that happen, right? Findings in administrative misconduct, investigative summary findings and misconduct by then FBI officials for soliciting, procuring, and accepting commercial sex while on FBI assignment overseas, lack of candor to the OIG and related misconduct, investigative summary findings of misconduct by then senior official with the Drug Enforcement Administration for misuse of official position related to giving preferential treatment to a pharmaceutical company and related misconduct, findings of misconduct by then FBI supervisory special agent for time and attendance fraud. I mean, they'll get you on something. So let's see what happened here. The Department of Justice initiated an investigation after receiving information from Federal Bureau alleging that then supervisory special agent may have committed time and attendance fraud during a six-month period and completed the the investigation and gave the report. Now you're going to say, what can we do? I'll show you. Wait. Hold on. So report fraud, waste, and abuse. You see this little tab right here? You go to OID, OIG.justice.gov. Let me put the link in the chats. i show you how to do this. show you how to do this. Just, just, yeah, I know the torch logo. The law is the law, though, remember. All right. So now let me go back to the page now that I posted the link. You can click on that. And you say submit a complaint. Wait, is that where I go for FraudNet? No, it's not FraudNet. Gosh darn it. I have to go to FraudNet. So let me... <laughs> it's It was the wrong link to go to FraudNet. Hold on. That's where you're going to find the stuff. We're going to go to the OIG page again later. Hold on. Let me just see. This is the one that I already filled out, right? I haven't submitted it. I'm going to let you guys see me submit it. All right. So let me remove this. Let me take you to the screen. And I'll send you the link. This is how you get shit done. All right. So this is the fraud net, right? This is the super fraud net. This is the government accountability section, okay? Government accountability office. Okay. As you can see here, there's a big blue button in the middle called report fraud, right? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to report fraud. And here, you can submit an allegation of fraud, waste, abuse, or mismanagement of federal funds. Please choose your filing preference. 
standard. I do not place any restrictions on the release of my contact information. If necessary, you may contact me for more. You can pick that. Confidential, which means keep my name confidential and do not release my contact information. If necessary, you may contact me for more information about my submission or anonymous. So let's pretend you go anonymous, right? And then you have to find out what kind of rule, regulation, or law do you believe um, has been violated. So in order for you to show that there's mismanagement, misappropriation of government funds, you have to be doing something. So here's where you go here. Ethics, conflict of interest, and misconduct. Now I'm going to take you to my page where I've actually completed it. I've put my name on it. So I'm going to show you how you do this. Let me just show you what I did. And I'll read to you what I said. <laughs> And we're going to do one of these for each of these fuckers. So on the 10th of February, 2021, I am reporting an ethics conflict of interest and misconduct. The organization agency is U.S. Senate, and I picked the U.S. House of Representatives, too, because the person that did it was at the U.S. House of Representative, uh, a representative, but was at a Senate hearing. Where did it happen? Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, and I put this information in the box. So I will copy and paste this for you guys to see um, on Telegram. So you can copy the text as it is. You can, you can follow along with me. You could do it anonymously. You could put your name on it, whichever I am posting. So first, complaint. Um, from, um, GAO, I'm labeling it Swalwell. So, um, now let me just paste that into Telegram. So, I copied, um, and pasted it, and I'm going to read it to you. Oh, fuck's sake. Why am I getting so? There we go. On February 10, 2021, during the second Senate impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump, Representative Eric Swalwell, the House impeachment manager, introduced a tweet ostensibly obtained from the Twitter account of Jennifer Lynn Lawrence, which stated, It has been an honor to stand up and fight for you in our nation. We will be standing strong on January 6th in D.C. with you. We are bringing the cavalry, Mr. President. Ms. Lawrence subsequently admitted that she did post the tweet with the word Calvary being a reference to the prayer vigil organized by the churchgoers supporting Trump and not a call for military-like violence at the Capitol riots as portrayed by Representative Swalwell. However, despite the fact that, the rep that Representative Swalwell presented the United States Senate with a verified representation of Ms. Lawrence's tweet, Ms. Lawrence has indicated that she does not utilize a verified Twitter account. Such accounts are identified by a blue check mark. And according to Twitter, let people know that an account of public interest is authentic. To receive the blue badge, your account must be authentic, notable, and active. Given that Representative Swalwell presented the Senate with a purportedly verified Twitter posting obtained from Ms. Lawrence's account when Ms. Lawrence does not have a verified Twitter account, it is apparent that Representative Swalwell introduced evidence during the impeachment hearing that was falsified and or fabricated. 18 U.S. Code 1519, destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigations. 
and bankruptcy provides in pertinent part that whoever knowingly alters, destroys, mutilates, conceals, covers up, falsifies, or makes a false entry in any record, document, or tangible object with the intent to impede, obstruct, or influence the investigation or proper administration of any matter within the jurisdiction of any department or any agency of the United States or in relation to or contemplation of such a matter in case shall be fined under this title in prison not more than 20 years or both. It appears that Representative Swalwell may have violated 18 U.S. Code 1519 by representing the by presenting the United States Senate with a fabricated, verified Twitter posting. As a concerned and aggrieved citizen of the United States, I respectfully request that Representative Swalwell be investigated and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. So, as you can see, <coughs> that is all in there. I have filled it out. And I've posted it for you to go on the same website and copy and paste it in the please provide details form, as you can see here. And uh, as you can see here, uh, I have put it there. Have you reported it to another agency? Nope. If applicable, please provide additional details. And I'm sorry, I wasn't sharing earlier because it has my name, address, and phone number. I'm not going to put that um, fully out there. And then it asks me, if applicable, please provide additional details related to the alleged wrongdoing. I put his name, Eric Swalwell, Congressman, Federal Government, U.S. House of Representatives. Boom. Supporting documents. I don't have any. Hold on. Let me like cover the screen just in case so I could show you what the receipt is like because I just submitted it with my name. Give me a second. Let's see how that looks. I'm going to submit. And let's see. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, what is it telling me um, that I need to do here? Hold on. It came up with, I, I submitted. What is it telling me? Um, to submit, please choose your filing preference. Hold on. Because I'm going through my address, I think maybe I skipped something. I won't submit. Part two incident details, allowed characters. Okay, what's part two? Where did I put not allowed characters? Part two details. Oh, um, okay. I guess my, okay. Okay, it has some weird characters, I guess, because it was um, Miss um, Lawrence's tweet. I think it, it um, did some... Stupid. Let me just get it. It's the link. The link. You can't copy and paste the link in there. Okay. Let me just do that quickly. Let me just paste and enter. And then I'm going to copy from the link after because it won't let me use the link. And then that should be fine. Sorry, guys. I just want to make sure that. Why is it saying that? It's not recognizing my font. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to I'm going to see how I because if you're going to have this challenge, at least you should know how to fix this challenge, right? Okay, so we're going to put it there and then I'm going to copy that off of that. Maybe that'll be easier. Let's see. Nope. Gosh darn it. I'm going to have to go through that now. Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. Doesn't like I, it's putting in things that, okay, you know what? Please see 
attached. There we go. That's what I'll do. Let me just open up a document, copy and paste this whole thing in there, then export it as a PDF, and then file, export. Shut up. All right. File, export. Give me a second. Making the PDF on February 10th. Okay, so it'll be a swell while. Complaint. And done. Okay. So let me see if that works. Let's see. And I am now going to add that. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to make sure that you can see what um, and how it works. I'm sorry. This is with my name on it. And <laughs> I am trying to make sure. Description, a full details of complaint. Okay, I'm going to share that screen with you so you could see that. So, <clears throat> as you could see, I created a um, uh, document that says Swalwell complaint. I copied and pasted uh, what I have put in Telegram. Um, at the top there, I put... Um, in the text, please see attached document. As you can see here, um, I put please see attached document. So that way they know um, where my complaint is. Uh, the complaint document is there, Swalwell complaint, evidence slash information, right? And then um, over here, I just put in description, full details of complaint. So now I'm gonna submit, hold on, just in case it shows like my address and stuff. Give me a sec. Okay, um, cancel. Okay, I have to press save. Okay, so once you upload the document, sorry, let me just show that to you. You have to press save, okay? You have to press save, and then you click submit. So give me a second. So submit, and then let me see. Does that have my, let me see. Okay, so now you guys can see my complaint number. So this comes up. Thank you for contacting FraudNet at the United States Government Accountability Office. This automated message serves acknowledgement to your submission. A complaint control number has been assigned. So that is now my complaint control assigned number. Um, so uh, now I am going to um, print that out. Boom. Complaint number. Well, I'm saving it. And that has now been completed. I hope all of you, <laughs> I hope all of you can see this. Now I'm going to file the next one, okay? And please um, uh, feel free to, um, <laughs> to, to do it as well. Could you imagine if they get thousands of these in their inbox tomorrow? I mean, it's not like they're, they can't not investigate it. So let's go to the next complaint. Um, I'm going to do this one anonymously so that way we can see how that works. Okay. Um, share screen complaint form. All right. So I'm going anonymous ethics, conflict of interest. Um, and in this one, uh, we are going to be talking about, um, uh, Adam Schiff. Okay. So Adam Schiff is a very big problem. But we're going to talk about the more recent one. So we're going to go to December 13th, 2021. The organization and agency, of course, is U.S. House of Representatives. And that's it. The incident happened in Washington. Damn it. For fuck's sake. 
pre-populated great now everybody gets to see that <gasps> nobody got to see it thank god okay hold on guys because i've got pre-populated shit coming up <laughs> so i'm like wait <laughs> wait let me just put this stuff in <laughs> give me a second washington gave an address oh my god could you imagine if that was live right now i would have been like i would like to die and it would be like oh my god i knew it and it's like damn uh washington dc sorry okay please see attached okay so i think um let me just put his name here adam yes i want to say loser in chief but i'll just say congressman Status and efficient. Okay, and then U.S. House. I'm just filling it out, you guys, because unfortunately, the browser that I'm using has pre-populated stuff. <laughs> Something that I wouldn't want anyone to see popped up, and it's like, damn. So I was actually terrified for a second there. All right, here we go. So I did this as anonymous, right? Ethics, conflict of interest, U.S. House, please see attached. It's about Adam Shift on uh, Shift Shift 12 13 2021. So it's just a couple of days ago. So I'm going to um, read out to you and then paste into the chat what um, what is going down for Mr. Shifty Shift, okay? Cuz Shifty Shift really needs to go down. So let me read it to you. And then, you know, I could just put the Word document in the chat if you want, right? Is that good? I could put the Word document easier for you guys, too. Um, but no, I'll just copy and paste. Some of you like it like that and don't like the open file. So, all right. And you're on your phone, so. All right. On December 13, 2021, during a hearing of the January 6th committee, Representative Adam Schiff presented text messages to the committee that appear to have been doctored and or altered, thereby creating the impression in a visual presentation that he was quoting original text messages rather than fabrications. Guys, I really think he did kind of the same thing where he was like saying that this was the report, but he was making his own words. Remember that with the whole Ukraine thing? But I digress. Specifically, Representative Schiff claimed to have proof that a member of Congress texted, texted former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to instruct former Vice President Pence to overturn the 2020 presidential election results. However, Representative Schiff appears to have misrepresented the substance of the text message and its source, and to even have doctored original text messages. For example, one message with which Representative Schiff attributed to Republican lawmaker was doctored to read on January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as President of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. Representative Schiff cited the message as an argument for compelling Mr. Meadows to testify and holding him in contempt. But the original message came from former Department of Defense Inspector General Joseph Schmitz, who had drafted and summarized legal arguments that Representative Jim Jordan <clears throat> forwarded to Mr. Meadows. And Representative Schiff left out the full exchange, which read, 
On January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as president of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. In accordance and guidance from founding father Alexander Hamilton and judicial precedents, no legislative act wrote Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Number 78, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. The court in Hubbard versus Lowe reinforced this truth, that an unconstitutional statute is not a law at all, is a proposition no longer open to discussion. And then the citation for the case. Following this rationale, an unconstitutionally appointed elector, like an unconstitutionally elected statute, is no elector at all. Representative Schiff omitted the portions in between the asterisks, which referred to the legal basis for rejecting electors. As reported by Sean Davis of the Federalist <clears throat> in his statement and on-screen graphic, Representative Schiff erased the final two paragraphs and the final clause of the first paragraph of the text message before inserting punctuation that was never there, all without disclosing what he was doing. The graphic displayed by Representative Schiff was doctored to look like an exact screenshot, was similarly doctored as it contained content that was never in the original message and eliminated content that was. It should be noted that Representative Schiff has repeatedly faked evidence in investigations in 2019 at the opening hearing of the House Intelligence Committee investigation into President Donald J. Trump. He faked a conversation between President Trump and Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky. When caught, Representative Schiff tried to claim that he was merely acting out a parody rather than creating a false public impression. Later in arguments before the Senate in President Trump's impeachment trial, Representative Schiff faked a Trump quote to President Zelensky. Again, 18 U.S. Code 1519, destruction, alteration, and falsification of records in federal investigations and bankruptcy, provides a pertinent part that whoever knowingly alters, destroys, mutilates, conceals, covers up, falsifies, or makes false entry in any record, document, or tangible object with the intent to impede, obstruct, or influence the investigation or proper administration of any matter within the jurisdiction of any department or agency in the United States or in relation or, or to or contemplation of any such matter in the case shall be fined under this title in prison not more than 20 years or both. It appears Representative Schiff has fabricated and or falsified evidence multiple occasions. As a concerned and aggrieved citizen of the United States, I respectfully request that Representative Schiff be investigated and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. So now here comes the Schiff document. Give me a second, you guys. Let me export this document and um, Schiff. That's it. Let me share it with you guys in Telegram now. Give me a second, and then I will upload it into my complaint. And I have sent that off to you guys. And now I am putting it into my complaint form. Give me a second while I conceal my screen. I'm just gonna add the document, evidence information, choose file, shift complaint, save, um, complaint. Details. I save. I believe everything is in here. Hold on, you guys. I didn't have to conceal it because I didn't have any address. Duh. So evidence, information, complaint details. Um, this is where I put in the document shift, right? And then I submit. And now this is my complaint number. I can print this one out too. Um, 
how did I put it? Shift complaint number. Actually, it's complaint number shift. I want it to match Swallowells when I save it. Done. So there's my complaint number, you guys. I hope you guys are doing it as well. So that's that. So yes, it's for misuse of federal funds. Remember, these people are funded by your federal tax dollars to work and they are committing crimes while they're on your dime. Do you understand how that works? So it's not just about that because they're asking you the questions. So once again, let me go back to the site because people always like to do those technical, um, you know, all right. So this is insuring funds and it's just any fraud. You don't have to. It's everything. So this is GAO's public hotline, fraud, waste and abuse or mismanagement of uh, federal funds. So it's not just about money. It's government fraud, waste and abuse. They tell you what you can pick. Contractor guarantee, embezzlement, employee fraud, environmental ethics, conflict of interest, misconduct, false statements and claims, financial fraud, subsidy, immigration issues, other theft of government property, whistleblower retaliation. It's not just about money, okay? And this is the problem, is that people don't see that this is where you go for the majority of things. You just don't fucking put a big sign on it so you don't see it, so you don't use it. So this is why it's important. It is important that you file as many of these as you can. All of you should be on that site. I know you're talking about Fauci. Wait, one by one. See, this is how you fight. This is how you fight. Could you imagine if every single one of you right now watching, every single one of you that are listening, simply did this, opened up the page, went anonymous, picked ethics, misconduct, ethics, misconduct. That's what you need because that is a broad ethics, conflict of interest, misconduct, right? And then you pick the agency. It's pretty simple because now we're going to do the next person. This is going to be fun. But I can't fill it out um, even if it's anonymous, <laughs> you know, um, House of Representatives. So you all you have to do is that. And you just say, see, attached documents. See, attached document. See, attached document. And then you put the city, the state, I'm not going to do it because I know it pops up. And then you put the person's name in here. Damn it. Damn it. It's not, I can't show it to you guys because that stupid thing that my daughter turned on, I can't take it off right now because then I'll have to shut down my show. So I can't walk you through it. So now we're going to the next one. I hope you guys are ready for this one because we're going to do two things for this one. This one's a big one. So, um, let's see. Okay. So for this person, what we're going to do is we are going to, um, file in FraudNet, but then we're also going to send a letter, an email, sorry, to a specific inspector general. So allow me to begin. Let me just fill this out really quickly. Give me one moment. I will be filling this out quickly. Um, federal. This is how you get things done. Pretty simple. Let's see. I just want to make sure that everything is in here. Put District of Columbia. And then I'm going to put the document as I read it. Okay. 
I think you guys are going to like this one. <laughs> so, um, hmm. we're going to give her the same date of 2-10-2021. All right. Now that I finished filling that out. And since um, that should be pretty much it, I'm going to just put anonymous just to keep it like that. So that way I could share it with you guys. All right. Here we go. All right. So now we're going to do Nancy Pelosi. Who's ready for this bitch? I am. I'm really excited about this one. Because we're going to do two things to this one. She needs extra stuff, you know. <sighs> Give me a second. Um, okay, so we've got that and that. Um, I'm trying to find the... There we go. Okay, give me a second. I'm going to take this in a document. Shit. You know, I wanted to do this, like, live, and then I'm like, I forgot that I have my kid on the thing. And it's like, I really apologize for that. She's homesick, so she uses things and she turned things on. So I apologize. Okay. This is fantastic. What a sexy write-up. I'm telling you. It's the sexiest write-up in a while. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. So here we go. Let me export it first. Hello, um, see. Wait. I mean, it's about time people, like, put their name on it, right? And say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get you to be held accountable. I think that's very important. Very, very, very important. So let's get into with Pelosi. So there we go. Pelosi. Pelosi. <clears throat> Fraudnet. All right. I'm, I'm labeling it as Fraudnet because there'll be a secondary Pelosi thing that we're going to be doing. So, um doesn't take much. You just have to add the letter and that's it, right? So let me show you how I add the letter. I add the document, evidence information. I am um, adding a Pelosi complaint. I say um, details of complaint and then I save it. See that? And then I just submit. And over here, I say see attached document, right? All right, let me tell you <clears throat> what this one says. That's pretty nice. I, I, I rather like it. During her latest tenure as Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi has continually demonstrated her callous disregard for the well-being of the American people. By way of example, Speaker Pelosi has taken no action against representatives who have engaged in falsification and or fabrication of evidence. Take Representative Eric Swalwell, who on February 10th, 2021, during the second Senate impeachment trial of President Trump, introduced a tweet obstinately obtained from a Twitter account of Jennifer Lynn Lawrence, which stated it had been an honor to stand up and fight for you and our nation. We will be standing strong on January 6th in D.C. with the Calvary. And we will, with you, we are bringing the Calvary, Mr. President. Ms. Lawrence subsequently admitted that she did not post the tweet with the word Calvary being a reference to the prayer, but with the word Calvary being a reference to a prayer visual organized by churchgoers, um, supporting Trump and not a call for military-like violence at the Capitol, right, as portrayed by Representative Swalwell. However, despite the fact that the Representative Swalwell presented the United States Senate with a verified representation of Ms. Lawrence's tweet, Ms. Lawrence has indicated that she does not utilize a verified Twitter account. Such accounts are identified by blue checkmark, and according to Twitter, you know, we, it was the complaint, right? 
He did that. Given that Representative Swalwell presented the Senate with a purportedly verified Twitter posting obtained from Ms. Lawrence's account when Ms. Lawrence does not have a verified Twitter account, it is apparent that Representative Swalwell introduced evidence during the impeachment hearing that was falsified and or fabricated. Despite the fact that Representative Swalwell blatantly engaged in the falsification and or fabrication of evidence, Speaker Pelosi has has taken no disciplinary action against him. To the contrary, Speaker Pelosi has reappointed representative, the representative to the House Intelligence Committee despite his intimate sexual relationship with Chinese spy Fang Fang, who seduced U.S. politicians as part of her work. In another example, Speaker Pelosi has taken no disciplinary action against at Representative Adam Schiff, who on December 13, 2021, presented text messages to the January 6th committee that appear to have been doctored and or altered, thereby creating the impression in a visual representation that he was quoting original text messages rather than fabrication. It should be noted that Representative Schiff has repeatedly faked evidence in investigations. In 2019, the opening hearing of the House Intelligence Committee investigation into President Donald J. Trump, he faked a conversation between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. When caught, Representative tried to claim that he was merely acting out a parody rather than creating a false public impression. Later in arguments before the Senate in President Trump's impeachment trial, Representative Schiff faked a Trump quote to President Zelensky again. However, Speaker Pelosi seems as unfazed by Representative Schiff's fraudulent transgressions as she is by Representative Swalwell's criminal actions and scandalous affair with the Chinese spy Feng Feng. Speaker Pelosi has well-documented history of standing by while other representatives run amok and assert tyrannical oppression on the people without a single regard for the American people. For example, Speaker Pelosi remained silent as Representatives Maxine Waters and Elhan Omar incited violence and sowed seeds of divisions among American people. She has lost any semblance of control she may have ever had over her legislative house and she needs to be held accountable for her multiple and inexcusable derelictions of duty. When she assumed the role of Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi took an oath of office pursuant to Title V, Section 3331 of the United States Code. In doing so, Speaker Pelosi agreed to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. To bear true faith and allegiance to the same, to take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and to well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office. Speaker Pelosi has repeatedly violated this oath of office, and due to her numerous failures and criminal transgressions, I respectfully request that she be investigated and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Now, this is, uh, you know, misconduct, ethics, right? So we're just going to submit that now. Um, I'm going to submit that one on Pelosi. That should be done. Now I got my complaint number for that. I wonder if the numbers went up. I don't even remember what the previous number was. That would mean that maybe we got a hundred filings. I mean, we need to keep filing you guys. We need a lot of filing. The next one is going to be a nice letter to an IG. Let me see. Pelosi, uh, no, it's complaint number Pelosi. Sorry, complaint number Pelosi. So this is, <laughs> as you can see, this is going to be filling up their inbox. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I never knew that I could do this. Yeah, you can fucking do a shit ton. This is government accountability office. Hello, okay? 
and it's hidden. Oh, it's not about money. And dude, government accountability. It's not only talk about money because it is money. These people are working on your dime. So working on your dime. So the next one <clears throat> that we're going to be discussing Man, I want to like reveal like the super author, but I won't. I'm just going to say it's an inspired persons. Okay. We're going to be sending a letter out to um, the inspector general of the house, basically. He's a U.S. House of Representative General Inspector Michael Tuzinski. Let me let me show you this, dude. One. You see, they're working on our money, so it's fraud, waste, and abuse when they're committing fucking crimes on our money and obstructing justice. I mean, someone's got to do something, and this is the only way you document that shit. We need to break their system with a shit ton of this stuff. A shit ton. You're pissed? File it. File it. File it. So they will pick it up. They can't not pick it up. They can't not pick it up. This is public record. You know what's funny? Yeah, you can report Fauci, the CDC. See, you're not helpless. You think you're helpless. Together, you are so freaking strong. And that's the problem that we have today is that we have all these people. Buy my t-shirt. It'll save you. No, it's fucking not. We should all be working together and filing the shit out of this. This is how you keep them accountable. You file lawsuits, give filing complaints, filing complaints. You flood those offices. They can't not look. They're, they're giving you the illusion that they're small. You know, I'm like five foot, right? Five foot. Even though most people are taller than me and it's like, damn, they might have like another <laughs> barometric pressure up there <laughs> than me, right? I don't yield to anybody. I don't give a shit if you tower over me, right? I stand on my own two feet and I don't need you to tell me that I can stand or sit. None of you have to yield to any of these people. You have all the tools in, uh, available to you to attack them. You just don't because you're just like, well, when, when, okay, I'll send the letter. Like how many people do you think, seriously, take, take, take a sit back and just think about it for a second. How many people do you think actually send letters, right? Not a lot. Not a lot. People don't send letters. They don't. You want to say because they're lazy? No, I don't think it's the laziness. I think it's the, that they think that they're insignificant. These motherfuckers are insignificant. I'll tell you what. I zoom out of this earth domain. Pelosi is just as small as you are. I zoom out a few, whatever you call them, light years away, right? Pelosi is just as small as you are. The only power you think she has is the one that she takes from you, okay? You're the same. Making a meme and a funny video is not going to save you. Wearing some fancy camo and walking around with a don't tread on me flag, fucking not going to save you, right? I mean, you could get violent, but then you lose because <laughs> they actually have taken so much power from the people that the people actually think they have authority. So they allow them to do things. So the only power these people have, I want you to stand on, on Mars and look down on earth. And I want you to see if you could see the difference between your mama and Pelosi. No, you can't. Same fucking size, same small, right? Same small. 
The only difference, the only difference is that one stole your power and harnessed it as theirs. Look at me. I take it from you and I am above you. And you've just sat there and said, okay, sure. Take it. So the next one is going to be a letter, which I will be posting on Telegram to the Inspector General of the House. Now, the Inspector General of the House, um, its mission is to make sure that there's accountability and integrity in the House financial, administrative, and technology-based operations. Uh, so they do independent audit, investigative services, and a nonpartisan matter. You know what? You know that you can actually, I'm pretty sure, please, just understand this. Everything that has happened up until today for the past 18 months is because of you. Your pen is so fucking mighty. You made A.G. Landry cry because he was upset in a meeting that he's not going to be governor because he has all your fucking letters in his inbox, okay? You have people that are running for office that are upset that you are sending them letters. This is the democratic process or actually the democratic republic process that your voice counts. And if you think that you live in a democratic republic or a representative republic or whatever the hell terminology you say, well, that's the right way or whatever straw man shit you want to say, bottom line is you're a shareholder in this nation and everything you say counts. No one's voice is bigger. They're giving you the illusion that they have bigger voices. Nobody has a bigger voice than you. I don't even have a bigger voice. I may be louder sometimes because I'm deaf, so, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> no one has a bigger voice than you. Everyone has the same voice, the same weight, the same clout. We say. And in the end, majority of those that we say win. For example, say we want to change what color the White House is. And we're like, yeah, fuck it. We don't want it to be white marble. We want to, you know, paint it another color. <laughs> so they ask the people to vote. Every single vote matters, right? And everyone counts. And in the end, I guess gray wins. Let's go. It'll be gray. So be it. Or brick. You know, <laughs> whatever. It's a vote. It's supposed to have the same weight. Nobody has a bigger voice than you. Everyone is the same. So here, oh my gosh, hold on, guys. All my phones are going off always. Okay, so the letter that we're going to be writing about Pelosi is going to be a very good and strong one. See, as Speaker of the House, you have responsibilities. You have responsibilities to maintain order. This is why you have a fucking gavel. Uh, you have the um, uh, duty to make sure that you censure people, that you hold them accountable for their actions. These are very, very important. These are important things because that is what their job is. This is why they vote for someone to be in charge, right? They, they all can't talk at the same time. Here's a video from six years ago telling you exactly the role of the Speaker of the House, okay? And I want you to listen to it. It is from... Uh, the voice of America, but I want you to listen to it and how they explain it to you. The role of the Speaker of the House. Here you go. Speaker of the House is second in line of succession for the presidency after the Vice President. He's also the top officer of the entire House of Representatives. Matt Wozniewski, the House historian, says the Speaker's role is crucial. The Speaker also, over the 
decades has become uh, uh, really the, the chief administrator of the House side of the Capitol. Uh, the, the speaker makes final decisions pretty much on everything on our side. Catholic University professor Matthew Green says part of the speaker's job is representing the House with the Senate, the president and the public. And then on top of that, he is the top leader of his party, which is usually the, how he gets elected. So he's responsible ultimately for helping the party get its legislation enacted, um, helping with recruiting candidates to run for office, raising money for people to run for office in his party. So he has a lot of responsibilities. Frederick A.C. Mullenberg of Pennsylvania became the first House Speaker on April, then a political one. But time has changed. They were sort of supposed to keep out of politics or of partisan conflict. But gradually, in the 19th century, as parties got stronger, speakers took on more role as a party leader. So that started around the latter half of the 19th century and has continued more or less continually uh, since then. In more modern Congresses, someone who can drive policy, uh, someone who is a, a deal maker, uh, who is uh, who's able to negotiate with various factions uh, within the party and, and reach across the aisle of the other party. Important as it is, anyone can be elected for this position, not just the members of the House. The Constitution is pretty vague about who can be Speaker. All it mm -hmm. says is that the House shall choose its Speaker. Mm -hmm. So, um, as, as others have pointed out, in theory, anyone can be Speaker. You don't even have to be a member of Congress. You and I can be You could speaker. be Speaker if you wanted. I could run for Speaker if I wanted. But both experts say, up until now, all 53 Speakers have been members of the House. The current Speaker, John Boehner, announced his resignation last month bringing a tumultuous end to his nearly six-year tenure marked by frequent tension within his own Republican caucus. This prolonged leadership turmoil uh, would do uh, irreparable harm to the institution. Traditionally, the Speaker of the House is the leader of the majority party, but is chosen by a majority vote of all 435 members of the House of Representatives. Yang Chen, VOA News, Washington. Well, that was Voice of America for the Chinese. Uh, let's <laughs> so the Speaker of the House has a lot of bigger role than you thought, right? And so this is quite important because this is a repeat offender. Schiff is a repeat offender. And this is quite important. Fake memos, fake statements, fake, 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 fake. And so today, uh, we have been working diligently. Um, well, I've been working. I don't know if I should say. I mean, if I if they give me permission, I'll say who helped. But, you know, all day, the discussion was, we got to do something about this. We got to do something about this. So we needed to bring it to light. Great thing is, Breitbart reported it, and it was, you know, done. And, um, well, not Breitbart, it was actually Town Hall, um, right? Was it Town Hall, I think, that, that, that broke? I don't know. I don't want to uh, give credit to someone who didn't, but they spoke with the right staffer. You know how I've been grooming fucking staffers for a very long time. Being friends, of course. <laughs> friends of America. So this is what's important, that we make friends in the right place so that those friends can tell us the information we need. 
what we got to do is not stop and just keep going. And in the end, we win. And that is how it is. You don't fall for what they want you to do. You don't do what they want you to do. You continue on the path. Because even though their destiny is set in stone, yours is not. I mean, it could be. But you are the master of your own destiny. The only people that are ruled are those that don't have free will. See you tomorrow, guys. God bless.